And so today, as we wrap up this series, right, uh, on reorientation, um, you, you know, we're not, we're not done. I know some of you are thinking, man, five weeks in a row, how much more do we need to reorient? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Ask your spouse, how much more do you need to reorient? Go ahead and do that now. If you're not with your spouse today, you're just here with a friend. Go ahead and ask your friend, how much more do you need to reorient? And then lastly, if you'd ask your children, how much do I need to reorient? Not asking your children how much they need to reorient. Huh. There's not a lot of brave children this morning. Mom, I really think you need to reorient, seriously. <laughs> Adjusting the alignment of oneself or one's ideas to surroundings and circumstances in a new and different way. As we've been looking in Scripture at different sections that have lists of things to help us remember. Last week we were on the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, love and joy, peace and patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. Today, what we'll hear are some of the same words that we've heard, not only in that list, but in the list of the Scripture verses that we've come before. For those of you that are following along in your Bibles today, we're going to be in, in Philippians chapter 4. And as you get there, uh, many of you uh, may not be familiar with Scripture. Uh, scripture is just a collection of books, right? Uh, where God speaks into the lives of His prophets, and so they write that word down, and it is for us each and every day. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament has many more books than the New Testament, but the New Testament, um, for us today, towards the back half of your Bible, that's where you're going to find Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's in that Jeans section. All right? So if you're trying to find that, you can also look in the front of your Bible in your index. The book of Philippians, um, the church that's at Philippi, that's the name of the town, uh, they are a bunch of retired military folk. I don't know if we can kind of relate to that in this community. Uh, it's, it probably should just be renamed and just called the Book of Monument, okay? I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure that's what we got going on here. I know not all of you are from Monument, but you kind of get the picture. You see, the church at Philippi has a, a great story and a great history to it. The people are generous in their giving. They are filled with joy. They love being God's people. They love it. Every bit, every part of their life seems to have, to have been brought under submission to Christ. Now think about that. Where do you stand in being in full submission to Christ? Well, that's usually where a, a list of sin starts, right? So we start to go, well, there are certain areas of my life that are not under submission to Jesus. Alcohol? Pride? Time? Drugs? Food? Intimacy. Family. Obedience. Anger. Submission. That's just a quick list of 10. 
I don't know what you struggle with, and maybe you're, the thing you struggle with is not on that list, but you know what I'm talking about. You, there are things that are not completely under submission to Christ. And what Paul does here to the church in Philippi is he says, come on, folks, remember what God has done for you. Remember the joy to which you have been called. Remember where it is that I have you because I've got something more for you. I've got something better for you. I've got stuff that is just, it's going to knock your socks off, but you've got to be in submission. That's what it means to reorient, is that we say, what I'm doing's not working, I gotta go in a different direction. And I'm telling you, old Adam in you is gonna fight. That inside in you is gonna fight. It doesn't wanna let go of how you've always done it, because for you it seems to work, but if you ask everyone else around you, it ain't working. And so to submit. So, in Philippians chapter 4, Verse 4 and following, we have this word. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now maybe many of you, that harkens back to a little song that you can kind of hear yourselves singing a little bit. Uh, last week I sang uh, alone, this week you're going to sing with me, okay? So here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in See, if I just keep asking you to sing Rejoice over and over and over, it almost sounds like we're intending to make it sound like a choir, right? <laughs> Whether you know or not, Mark made the announcement for the 4A Requiem, so many of you just tried out. <laughs> just want to let you know that. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. In the book of Philippians, Paul uses that word or form of the word joy or rejoice 18 times. I mean, he is, and he uses it a lot to describe how the people in Philippi are, they rejoice. Now, we've talked about this, that rejoice is different from being happy. You see, rejoicing allows you, allows you to still have your head up in the midst of suffering. When the case against you goes the opposite way. When you try to explain your actions and no one is listening. When you swear you're healthy, but the doctor says otherwise, and your stay in the hospital proves it. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of schedule not happening the way you want it to happen, and all of these challenges, in the midst, right then and there, we find joy. We find joy because it is not something that is necessarily innate to us, but it is because of Jesus who lives in us. And because he lives in us, then we are capable of joy in the midst of pain and suffering. And again, it may not be because that's what you want to have happen, but I'm telling you, that's the Jesus in you wanting to come out. It's joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. And so, let your gentleness be evident to all. Now, what I want to get across here is that this gentleness is not meekness. This gentleness is not wimpiness. This gentleness is like 
long-suffering. It's like the word for patience. That the gentleness that God says, hey, let your gentleness be evident to all, says I'm long-suffering for my neighbor, which says I'm going to love my neighbor no matter what, no matter how many times we've tried. It means I'm going to do life with my neighbor for the next 10 years until they finally come to faith in Jesus Christ. 10 years, 15 years. About five years ago, we had some new members come in, and we always ask new members to share, how did you come to family of Christ? <laughs> this old boy says, is your dang member. I was like, oh, that's an interesting way of starting that out. I said, dude, please tell me more. He's like, that dude bugged me for the last 10 years. Bugged me. Stayed on me. Kept, kept saying he couldn't find a tool, coming over and borrowing mine. I saw it sitting in his garage. It's like he invented re ways to come over to my house and just get in my business. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. But a gentleness that says, I genuinely care, I genuinely love you, I genuinely am going to live out the fruit of the Spirit, it's a gentleness that says, I'll be patient, and I'm going to work in your life. Can you imagine, right, true gentleness, guys? I know these are kind of like going, <laughs> shucks, I, I, I'm gentle, I take my boots off before I come in the house, that's about as gentle as I get. <laughs> I bring flowers on 4th of July because <laughs> she's not expecting flowers then and I'm being gentle. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an openness of heart. Let your openness of heart to the people around you be evident to all. And know this, that the Lord is near. Because quite frankly, I know a lot of things that happened this week to members, to staff, to family, that it could very easily come down the pike where you would go, there is no way God was around this week. He has been on vacation. There's been way too much happen. From, from cancer to divorce decrees. To abuse. And that's just a few of the things that I know about this week. So I want you to hear me clearly. God is near. And when you leave this place, when you take the word of God, when it is infilled in you, when, when you are the embodiment of Jesus Christ, you become that hope and you become God in flesh near other people that are suffering. You become literally the hands and feet of Jesus that, that flies across the country to come be with your friend. You become that coworker that says, come here, come here, just, I'm going to give you a hug. Dude, we don't hug, dude. I, I know. Tell somebody we were looking for fleas on each other's back or something, but you become Jesus with skin on. You become that which makes it so God is near. And see, when God is near, then I'm telling you, it makes it very easy to rejoice. It makes it much easier to believe that in the midst of all of the junk that is going on, I'm not left alone and God hasn't abandoned me. It's very much about being near. And being near, sometimes, I want you to know, you can have fun with this. Yesterday I was at Walmart 
Two of our members were uh, in, and they were, they were towards the front of the store. I had my stuff. I was getting ready to check out. And they're in the front of the store, and the, the wife is pushing along a large suitcase, okay? But they're coming in the door. I didn't know where they'd come from. And so I, I yelled out to her, and I said, oh, you, you guys are moving into Walmart? And she was like, no. I said, oh, well, I see you walking in the front door. You got a big suitcase. She goes, oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to go fly and see his, his dad, my, my father-in-law. He fell. He's in his 90s, and he hit his head, and he kind of doesn't really know what's going on right now. He's, you know, they got some blood in there, and they just, things are kind of confused. You got to know about this lady. She is from the deep south. So when she's telling me this, I'm hearing this accent, right, from the deep south. And I don't know, I just kind of talking, I hear her, and I, I start to kind of take it on, okay? I don't know if you know that about me sometimes, but, but uh, I'll break into to accents sometimes. And so she's just, oh, we're going to go see, uh, we're going to go see my father-in-law. He's, and, and I said, well, bless his heart. I said, bless his heart. He doesn't know where he's at. He doesn't know who he is. I said, bless his heart. She said, oh, pastor, I know you mean it because you use that phrase like a true southerner. <laughs> and that's when it hit me that I'd gone into this voice. <laughs> My point is, is that being near, being present, being gentle, it has an openness of heart. And my guess is, is, is you'll be able to speak literally into the lives of people around you when you are that way. You're, you're going to be able to take on that voice. And this is what Paul is after for the church at Philippi. To rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident. Meaning, is your, let your heart be open. Let people in. Because God is near you. Be near to them. And then in verse 6 says, do not, right, do not be anxious about anything. Really? How many of you, on a scale of 1 to 10, your anxious meter is at least an 8 already today? You haven't even hardly gotten through, right? How many of you are pegging 10, you're into the 11 range? Anybody just, okay, security, let's watch his heart, <laughs> Right? rest of us are down in that six, four, three. Others of us kind of going, man, with that cello, I'm just so relaxed. Don't be anxious about anything. Can I be anxious about my finances? I mean, because that's really important. No. Can I be anxious about where my kids are going to go to school? No, you can't. Can I be anxious about whether or not my kid's going to actually get married and give me some grandchildren? No. That's why we put this on the internet so that your children can hear this and go, your pastor said, get off my back. No, you can't be anxious. You can't be anxious about anything. Why? Because God is near. You understand if God is near, it means he's with us and we have no reason to be anxious. Well, God's not moving fast enough for me. Okay, welcome to the club. Remember, to him, right? A thousand years is like a day to him. He's like, I'll get to you in the afternoon. 500 years later, he rolls around, and you're like, thanks a lot. You see, God doesn't move on our time, and, but just because he doesn't move in our time doesn't mean we have reason to be anxious. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God. Three parts of prayer are in there, right? In every situation, by prayer. That's a general prayer that talks about praise. That in all that you do in your prayer and praise, that you are praising God, that you're saying, hey, thanks, appreciate it. That your petitions are when you intercede on the behalf of other people. Now, behalf of other people, I know that this, this can be hard. This can be a challenge. I don't do this very well in my, in my personal life, my professional life. I am a great prayer. I don't mean to brag. I, I just literally mean that I understand my role, my job very well. I pray for about three hours a day over the list of our membership. Now, I switch it up every week so you can't know whether or not you're being prayed for on Tuesday because you're beginning of the alphabet or whether you're a Friday prayer. Or, you know, I, I switch that up. I switch around the list. But you get prayed for by being a member. So when people say, well, what's, what's the benefit of being a member at Family of Christ? Well, Pastor Dyer prays for you. Every week. By name. And when I know something's going on in your life, it's specific. And when it's not specific, I say, God, go get them. That doesn't scare you? <laughs> yeah, you can email me and go, oh, so you're the one. Yep, it's me. It is. Petition, it's your interceding on behalf of the other people. And of course, Thanksgiving. God, uh, my life is in shambles, but I am thankful that I'm breathing and alive today. Thank you. I thank you that I have the opportunity to work it out in all of the broken relationships that I have. I thank you, God, for what health I do have, even though I've got chronic illness. God, I thank you for the blessing of the sunrise this morning. I thank you that, that as the sun came up, it was beautiful pinks and purples this morning. I thank you for the snow, which, which raises the water table and so we can quit having a drought. I thank you for enough snow so that when I'm bombing down the run and I jump into the air and do my 1640, but you guys weren't watching X Games last night? <laughs> Holy cow, these guys are nuts. But with a lot of snow, I'm landing smoothly. Thank you, God. Thank you for everything that you've given me, and we've got so much to be thankful for. You know what? I think just even in a prayer life that just said, for this week, all I'm going to do is thank God. I'm not going to ask him for anything. I'm not going to intercede. I'm just going to say thank you. I'll guarantee you that by the end of the week, you're going to start rejoicing about things that, you, that you've been grousing about. If all you'll do is just spend your time in thanksgiving. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. The idea being here is kind of two basic ways that we approach life, right? Either from a very cerebral way or from a very heart way. Uh, Greeks talk about heart. Uh, Hebrews, right? So Israelites talk about guts. Um, uh, in Greek, the, the term's kind of splonkna, it's a spleen. Um, so, so, it's just, so do you live from your spleen or from your head, all right? So how many of you are very, you just go, I'm a very cerebral, I've got lists, I've got order in my life. We are the correct people in the world. <laughs> just go ahead and raise your hands if that's for you. All you feelers and splonkna people are wrong, but all you feeler and splonkna people, just go ahead and raise your hands. Yeah, 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 all right. All right, trying to live in both worlds, very challenging, right? 
Most marriages are made up of one and the other. I don't know why God has this kind of sense of humor. He just does. But what what Paul promises here is, right, that the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. You know what that means is that he stands as a sentinel, a guard. God stands guard over you. He absolutely does, and he wants it to be that way by the gift of the Holy Spirit, that as you read his word, you know what those boundaries are. You know what the passwords are to get through. You know all of those things because, quite frankly, if you don't stand firm next to that guard, right, then you're going to let everything come in that the world has for you. And we wonder how come our lusts are the same as the world. We listen to the same music. We watch the same shows. We we allow so much in that it is no wonder that the sentinel, right? Holy Scripture. I mean, that's that's the major sentinel in my life so that I know where the boundaries are. This far you can go, this far you can't. We, We just quit listening. And all of a sudden, it's no wonder that we think the same and act the same, that our hearts are not rendered to God, that we aren't inclined toward the cross, that we think the same as our friends. And believe me, the world knows it. The world sees it. And they are quick and right to say, hypocrite! Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying be perfect. I'm not saying that we're trying to live a perfect life and that that is the end goal. I'm saying, is our heart and our mind in Christ? And so because of that, Paul continues and says, Now, with your hearts and mind in Christ, peace will come. So, finally, brothers, whatever. Right? Now, this is not 80s whatever, right? This is not whatever. This is not whatever, right? It's not... It's not that whatever, okay? This is not pink and, you know, whatever, 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 you know, flashing whatever signs around, right? Whatever. Okay, kids, this is not your time and lesson to go. Me, I can go whatever. This is a different whatever. It is this. You see, if the world's going to assail you, in the same way, right, it, it's video and song and, and all of the things that are out there, if the world is going to assail us that way, then Paul's going to counter that and says, hold on, no, no, whatever, whatever is true, there is truth, and you don't get to determine it. So whatever is true, think about such things. Whatever is noble, think on these things. Whatever is right, think about it. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, and whatever is praiseworthy, think on such things. And why does Paul go there? Paul's probably more in the camp of the thinker Okay? He's more in that camp, and so he starts out by going, make sure you think about these things, because we know that if you can change someone's thinking, it's a great way to start changing their actions. But he doesn't just leave it to the thinkers. Think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, 
put it into practice. Oh, now he gets the rest of us. You see, you don't get just to learn this list, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. Think and do. This is why we need reorientation. Whatever is true. When the word of God is true and it's against what is going on in your life, how many of you are uneasy? You should be. Yeah, we should be a little easy because we know that the truth is something that we haven't been following. And that's hard, that's tough. How do we reconcile that? But Paul says, think about that which is true and you'll begin to act true. It's the same for the rest, right? Noble. How many of you believe that you are of nobility? Wait a minute. You are all sons and daughters of the living king. You are absolutely nobility. That's how you were made. That's what he expects from you. So yes, this is not far-fetched. Finally, brothers, whatever is true and noble. I don't know. Take a deep breath and puff out your chest a little bit. Walk with your shoulders back, your head, your chin up a little bit. I don't mean be a snot. Hey, I'm nobility. I think we should have this seat. No, that's not how you, you don't abuse that, right? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. You see, you can't act the way the world acts. Just, it's just not part of, our, of who we're called to be. And whatever is admirable, right? The world around us should be able to see us and go, I want my son to grow up just like you. I wish my daughter would marry someone like you. Man, I love being a neighbor. You, are, you have admirable qualities to you. I just love. Whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think about such things and... Put them into practice. James says it this way in the book of James. It says, do not be like the man who looks at himself in the mirror, recognizing himself, walking away, and immediately forgetting what he looks like. So don't be that guy. Don't be the one that reads the word, hears it, and goes, that was great information for me today. Eh, I'll be patient with God as he tries to work in a couple of those things over the next 10 years. No. Now, because I'll guarantee you this, your kids need it now. Your spouse needs it now. Your parents need these things from you now. And I'll guarantee you there is an entire lost world that needs to know the love of Jesus Christ lived out in people that are focused on whatever is true and right and noble and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Will you partner? Will you join us in this? Because the way it looks is that People gather together around God's word and they start to hold one another accountable and they go, you don't measure up. And none of us want to hear that. 
None of us want to hear it. None of us want to go, you know, you said you'd do this and you didn't do it. None of us. But I'm telling you, if you'll be gracious, if you'll be the first to extend grace, it makes it a lot easier for the rest of us to come along. And I know you're saying, but who's going to be gracious first? How about you? How about me? And there, I think, God says, now, now, you're humble. Now, you're moldable. Now, you're reoriented the way I want you to go. In his grace, for his honor. Amen.